Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Welcome, everybody, to the Must Read Alaska show. I am your host, John Quick, coming to you live from somewhere in Alaska. We had a doubleheader today, folks. Earlier this morning, you heard from Representative Sarah Vance talking about some of her bills repealing ranked choice voting and healthcare consolidation, which is very exciting. And uh, we have uh, Senator Jesse Bjorkman with us uh, this morning as well. But first, but before we go into that, I want to thank everybody that listens, watches, and reads Must Read Alaska. Um, we want to thank you for doing that. And if you want to help keep the lights on here at Must Read Alaska, you can go to mustreadalaska.com. And on the right-hand side there, there's a little donate button. And you can click on that every $5, $10, $100 helps keep the lights on here at Must Read Alaska. We're not funded by some nonprofit, dark money, web conglomerate. We're just funded by everyday Alaskans who care about conservative news. So if that is you, we want to thank you for doing that. And without further ado, uh, we want to welcome Senator Jesse Bjorkman to the Must Read Alaska show. Senator, welcome to the show. Well, thanks a lot, John. I appreciate you taking the time to have me on the program today to talk about my legislation that is now passed the Alaska State Legislature and one bill that is moving uh, rather quickly. So it's good to see. It's great to see those good, solid ideas move forward for hardworking Alaskans. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show today. Let's talk about your lumber bill, because I think this is a it's a it's a pretty exciting bill. It got bipartisan support probably one of the quickest bills this year to go through the process and get on the governor's desk. Talk to us about kind of the, the bare bones of this bill in layman's terms so folks can, can kind of hear what's going on with it. Well, the local use lumber program is an idea that uh, the Department of Natural Resources has been kicking around for a little while, but they just weren't going to move it forward. That was kind of stuck in the mud of bureaucracy and was just not quite uh, getting the traction that I thought that it should. And it had been identified as a program that could be utilized by local lumber millers and sawmillers across the state to reduce the cost of building materials in some parts of Alaska and also increase economic opportunity for folks as well as utilize our forest products for local home building. And that's really the goal of the bill. Um, the goal of the bill is to provide for building materials to build residential homes from our local Alaska grown trees and lots of great opportunities surrounding this bill. Other states uh, like Wisconsin and others have undertaken a similar program uh, by which local lumber millers are able to become trained in grading their own lumber that they produce. So when a guy with a sawmill, wood miser, what have you, um, creates dimensional lumber, two by fours, two by sixes, and, and others to use in stud walls or other light framing applications in a home, that lumber miller 
can grade and assess their lumber based on three kinds of grades, a number two and better, a stud grade, and number three. And those grades are kind of well known within the building industry. They're, they're pretty common, uh, commonly what you might expect to see in a big box store. And so as that process goes through and those lumber millers grade those pieces of lumber out, people are able to use that lumber then to build a home for themselves or a contractor can build a home for one of their clients as well with that local use lumber. And it's great to think now that we can have many homes across the state that can be Alaska grown. Uh, what was standing in the way of this happening previously is essentially people could build homes using local lumber. However, they were not able to get financing from any banks or, or a company like the Alaska Housing Finance Corporation because local use lumber didn't fit the spec of a statewide building code and wasn't up to criteria of what is currently in law. This law, local use lumber grading, incorporates local use lumber into that code. And we'll, if we do take up a statewide building code bill, which I hope that we will sometime this session, then the statewide building code would provide for the use of local use lumber as well. But very happy to work with the Department of Natural Resources on this bill, as well as the University of Alaska and Fairbanks and the Cold Weather Climate Research Organization and, and their really their mission to build better, more energy efficient homes. And many native corporations as well have taken an interest in this local use lumber program because of the ability to reduce housing costs and the construction costs of new housing in rural Alaska. So I'm excited by that. So <clears throat> potentially a contractor could now build a new house with local lumber and get a normal you know, home loan like they would if they were buying their lumber from Home Depot. Yep, that's correct. And so whether or not they, they undertake that and how much local use lumber they want to use to build a home, uh, that's going to be up to them and kind of what they're looking for as far as uh, practicality of use and, and really the specifics of, of what they're using. But Certainly lumber that fits within those three grades of number two and better stud and number three, they're going to be able to use that lumber where appropriate in homes so that they can reduce the cost of building structures. Absolutely. Nice. And then what's the, is there a process for, you know, the, the guy or gal chopping down the lumber and how do they get those grades? Is there a state pr program that they go through to receive those grades? Yep, absolutely. So the local lumber producer, the, the mill owner, they're going to receive training through a program that is run out of the University of Alaska at Fairbanks. And so it's a, it's kind of a one day training that they go through and they are educated to be able to assess lumber based on those three grades. And they're able to sort lumber that meets the specifications according to industry standard of what lumber looks like when it meets that grade. Um, very similar to how someone would grade a fish or a, a, a cut of beef or whatever, as, as you kind of grade the quality of that product. So they would receive that training and then their training certificate that says that they are certified to grade lumber, that is going to be given to the buyer at the point of sale. 
along with the species of tree that that lumber is made out of and, and the grade that that lumber is. The lumber won't receive a grade stamp uh, like lumber you might see at a big box store. Um, it's not stamped itself, but at the point of sale, when a producer sells that lumber to the end user, they have to receive what species of wood it is. They have to know the surface condition of the wood. Is it plain to rough cut and what the grade is and, and what the, what the desired application for that lumber is. Nice. Well, it sounds like uh, it's going to be signed by the governor soon and, and uh, you know, uh, your first bill is underway. So congratulations. Well, thanks a lot, John. It, it's really a great opportunity for Alaska and, and really a great opportunity for folks who already have wood misers or small sawmills to uh, engage in a, maybe a side hustle or maybe even family wage jobs in some parts of Alaska where they are able to produce this lumber at a much lower cost than it, it takes to ship lumber in. And as many folks are aware of in Alaska, the cost of building is oftentimes determined by the shipping costs mm -hmm. of those products. And that's, uh, that's a huge deal. And so being able to produce lumber that is going to make the grade in rural Alaska can reduce those costs immensely when the cost of shipping one two by four can be 20 or $30 at times. So that's a huge deal. I'm excited to see this legislation move through. Um, it, it was great to work with so many stakeholders, local lumber millers across the state, as well as the department and, and many folks who just would like to see this opportunity continue to grow. Additionally, with this local lumber use program, what it is going to do is it's going to encourage wiser use and more use of our forest products and forest resources. We have vast tracts of state land as well as other public ground that can be used for the harvest of our timber resources. And one of the great things about the spruce trees here in Alaska, whether it's Sitka spruce um, over towards Seward and Southeast or white and black spruce on much of the Kenai Peninsula is that that spruce is very strong. It's very tight ringed. So the rings on the trees are very small because it's slow growing. And that means that even though it is softwood, that softwood is really hard, is really durable because it's slow growing and tight ringed nature. And so one of the, one of the great really examples of how strong that spruce wood is, is that most recently it was used to provide support to helicopter rotors and helicopter rotors have to be really strong and lightweight. And it was only replaced in the use of helicopter rotors by um, carbon fiber, kind of honeycomb carbon fiber replaced spruce. And so the wood that we have here in Alaska is amazingly strong, it's super durable. It was used to build canneries and many, many buildings in Alaska's territorial days. And those buildings have stood the test of time for more than 100 years now. And so I'm excited to see local use lumber um, come on as a program. I'm excited to have the governor uh, sign and support this bill. It's been great that his staff at DNR has been so supportive along the way. And looking forward to see this program of local use lumber provide for a lot of economic opportunity for Alaskans. Nice. So let's shift gears for a second. Talk about fishing. Fishing, as you know, you, this is something you're passionate about has been 
dismal to say the least on the Kenai Peninsula here, probably around the state. Um, talk to me about your bill that you have out there for some relief for fishermen and women. So the Senate buyback bill, Senate Bill 82, I introduced and my predecessor, Senator Machiki, has introduced that bill in the past as well. And what this bill does is it provides for an optional program for set net fishermen on the east side of Cook Inlet, which is on the beach from Anchor Point all the way to Nikiski to sell possibly their set net permits. They would sell them back to the state. However, the money to fund that sale is going to come from non-governmental organizations or federal government grants that are specifically designed for economically stressed fisheries. And it's important for people to note that there is no state money that is going to go forward to fund the purchase of these set net permits. It's all going to be coming from other sources of funds. So people don't have to worry about this program putting stress on the state budget. And over the years, John, you're absolutely correct that fishing has become less and less productive uh, for the set net fishermen because of conservation concerns for Kenai River King salmon, as well as allocation decisions that have been made by the Board of Fish to put more fish in the river for personal use and sport fishermen to utilize and target. And so as those tastes and preferences change in people and how they want to manage the fishery, the Eastside Sednet fishery has really borne the vast majority of the burden of conservation because when their fishery is closed, they have no opportunity to go out and make money. Um, the guide industry and the tourist industry, they are also impacted, um, but certainly not to the extent that the set net fishery is. Um, they, they get zero opportunity. The, the guide industry, they get to pivot a little bit and, and they take clients out and fish for red salmon off the beach. They go fish for trout and, and dolly varden and, and they put clients out on the salt water and do many, many different things um, that they can do because they're flexible. The set net fisheries have, have no flexibility. So when they're shut down, um, not only do they not make any money, but they're losing money on the year for their operations. So because of that, because of that conservation concern and the, the change in taste and preferences of the public of how the state of Alaska allocates the resource, that has essentially economically distressed this fishery um, to the point where a fleet reduction, less nets in the water is necessary in order for that fishery to continue. So uh, that opportunity for people uh, right now as it sits, the bill would offer 200 permits drawn by lottery to be sold back to the state of Alaska, again, with funds for the purchase provided by non-governmental organizations, nonprofits, or uh, NOAA grants to purchase those permits. And uh, they, they can exit the fishery, allowing the fishermen that remain more opportunity to fish because that fishery itself will be less efficient and it will allow more fish to pass back to the river. Um, yeah, so we're, you know, we're talking about, uh, sometimes I don't think people realize some of these, and tell me if I'm wrong, some of these Fisher, you know, over the last couple of years, they've only gotten like two or three days to go make their living, right? Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The Eastside Setnet fishery has been largely shut down 
um, since 2014, since there became a, a large uh, king salmon concern. Um, and we can talk and, and spend lots of time talking about escapement goals and how we measure king salmon on the Kenai River and big fish versus small fish. Um, but the point of the matter is, is for me, the fish come first, John, and we have to make sure that we are managing Kenai River king salmon so that there are going to be giant Kenai River king salmon for our grandkids and their grandkids to catch. And so we have to be good stewards of that resource. And I think that taking some nets out of the water for people that want to retire from the fishery is the right step forward. And it's a good step forward. One thing that I wanna make sure folks understand as well, as this fishery, which is a huge economic driver for our economy on the Kenai Peninsula, many, many local families participate in the Eastside Setnet fishery and they sustain local businesses throughout the year, whether those businesses are restaurants or, or uh, sporting goods stores, um, places where you sell four-wheelers and snow machines and outboard motors, all, all kinds of stuff, you know, is that when you move forward into this, into the fishery and that, that fishery, if it were to go away completely, that would be a huge hit for our economy. And so as we look to what changes in the fishery could be and the reduction of gear, the reduction of gear means that there is less fish caught when the set netters fish. It's not as if the, the set nets that remain will just catch all of the fish that those other nets would have caught. That's just not how it works. Um, it reduces the overall effectiveness of that user group. And so that's one concern I've heard and just wanted to let people know that with less nets, that means that you catch a lot less fish because it's a physics problem. You can only fit so many fish effectively into a net. And if you get enough fish into the net, the fish start to see the net and swim away or the too many fish in the net will cause the net to flag and no longer fish and catch fish. So less, less nets in the water means less fish caught and more fish into the river when the set netters fish. So if somebody uh, is listening in and they live in your district or they're interested in hearing about these two bills, what's the easiest way to get in touch with your office? Yep, so folks can call the number here. It's 907-283-7996. And that number is good year round. Um, it's our Kenai number and that rings right down here in Juneau as well. Nice. Well, I appreciate you joining us on the Must Read Alaska show. You have any last minute thoughts before we head off here? No, thanks again, John, for having me on the program. Uh, really, it's, it's a privilege and an honor to serve the people of the Kenai Peninsula as your senator. Um, I'm happy to have this role and thank you to the people who sent me here. When you have a question or comment, please reach out. Uh, once again, the phone number here is 907-283-7996 or you can visit my website at www.senatorbjorkman.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Senator Jesse Bjorkman, for joining us on the Must Read Alaska show. And, and until next time, I'm John Quick from somewhere in Alaska. Thank you.